Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God and Independent RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. You you came back. I didn't think you'd ever come back. The cat came back the very, the very next, next day. day. The cat came back. They exactly. Was yep, I came back. I returned to One Piece from Amsterdam. It's very cold there, I, but it's a beautiful country. Um, I know Amsterdam is not a country. I'm very scrambled and jet lagged. Leave me alone. <laughs> also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, Eric Van Allen. I'm happy to hear you brought the One Piece back from Amsterdam. You know, they, they've had it for too long. Glad you brought the One Piece back. The yeah, One Piece? What? What, what, what are you talking about? You said you came back with One Piece from Amsterdam. <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah. You found her. It was buried. Buried all mm-hmm. of One Piece. At last. Well, folks, it is the end of the year. And we got a bunch of end of the year podcasts that are happening um, over the course of the next week, actually, though, we'll distribute them. Um, we'll, we'll kind of string them out over the remaining holiday period. We're going to start our end of the year coverage right the heck now, starting with a mailbag uh, from all of y'all. We're going to be answering your questions about 2022, as well as looking ahead to 2023. We'll get to that in just a moment, but before we start... Uh, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much. Please leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. It brightens our day, helps the visibility of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at Cmoosi, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where per usual, we have a ton of unique content. For example, we just started The Winter of Wick, which we watched all of the John Wick movies leading up to John Wick 4. I didn't get to participate in the first episode. Eric, how did it go? Uh, It went pretty well. We talked a lot about, I think John Wick 1 is really interesting because it doesn't, it, it does set the stage, but it feels very removed from where that movie series eventually goes with how deep into the world of assassination and stuff. And, and John yeah. Wick 1 really... I think my personal takeaway was it's a movie about grief. It's a movie a movie about grieving and like the process that John goes through throughout that film. Uh, and it was really cool to kind of like view it in a microcosm, especially after seeing so many sequels to it, to remember like the thing that kickstarted it and how different it was, but different in a good way. Oh my God. <laughs> That's watching the world cup, everyone. So something would happen. <laughs> I thought Argentina was going to go ahead. For sure. Oh, my God. Just pull the trigger, dude. Oh, he tried to, <laughs> but the France guy, Nadia, cut all of this out. <laughs> Why? It's fun. <laughs> but seriously, yes, I'm watching the World Cup final, which we'll tell you when uh, we're recording this. Also, we just had a Charlene dropouts go up. Uh, what did you talk about in that episode, Nadia? Actually, that was Victor handling that one. Like That's one of our extra episodes when he was kind of doing a deep dive into uh, a certain element of lore like it's a very what we're doing with the extra pod is kind of making it snappy and like involving more generalized stuff like lore so that there's not much in the way of spoilers so definitely go back and check that out if you want like a really good deep dive into this aspect and uh actually any aspect of lore i will be with victor in most of those episodes but some of them he'll be doing on his own so please look forward to them they're really cool he knows his stuff indeed um, have we released the second one yet? I, I'm very scrambled right now. I'm trying I'm to. I'm extremely scrambled. To be honest with you, um, I we haven't released the second one yet. Uh, maybe that's next week or the week after. I don't know at this point. It's everything's messed up because our schedule, folks. Sorry. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tried to kickstart a bunch of specials and stuff right at the end of the year because we're normal people who make very sane decisions about content. <laughs> very smart. Speaking of sane decisions about content, we have a big marathon coming up this week. If you are in the Stars of Destiny, um, on Monday, we're doing a podcast double header in which we recap the RPG end of the year starting at 5 p.m. Pacific on Monday, and we will be joined by our pals. The whole Blood God fam will be here, Mike Williams and Victor Hunter. And then after that, at 8 p.m. Pacific, we are going to be doing the end of the year extravaganza with our old pal, Michael Hyam, and one other guest. I hope it's Red Valentine. I don't know if we've asked her yet, but... Uh, We we have asked. We're just getting it locked in, but uh, fingers crossed on that front. And then on Tuesday, we are going to be doing our 2023 preview. Um, If you are in the Stars of Destiny, you can also join us for that. And then the episodes will be going up on all the normal feeds um, over the course of the rest of the holidays. So go join us over there on Patreon. All right. It's time now to talk about what we've been playing, our sacrifices to the Blood God and Eric You've been playing the JRPG Darling that has appeared out of nowhere in December. Yeah, yeah. I meant to play so many other things this last week, and I just kept going back to Chained Echoes because it has really become a comfort food JRPG for me in a way that I think... I I, I was talking with some folks about this the other day that, like, I think there are a lot of RPGs that try to capture nostalgia. You know, oh, I yeah. mean, Octopath tries to do it. Um, yeah, Tokyo RPG Factory, very famously, like is <laughs> an RPG factory trying to manufacture the nostalgia that existed uh, for those games. And uh, there are so many RPG maker games that are from people that, you know, are making their first project and want to recreate that feeling of playing Chrono Trigger and stuff like that. I don't think any of them have ever gotten as close to actually recreating the magic as Chained Echoes. And I will say like Chained Echoes has some nitpicks that I've found after about like I'm maybe 25 to 28 hours in now uh, just got past the end of Act One. And uh, there are definitely some weird things in terms of I don't like how difficult to see some of the traversal stuff is and all that. But overall... I think it's a really good story. I think it's a really well-written story. I know that people have pointed out the localization and stuff. And for those of you who may not know what it is, because I have seen some folks in, in Discord not know what it is, uh, Chained Echoes is very much like a love letter to 16-bit, 32-bit um, era JRPGs, where it literally starts with them lampooning the uh, Chrono Trigger opening. You you like wake nice. up in your bed, and yeah. your mom's like, hey, get out of bed. And then all of a sudden, your mom like slaps you and is like, it's time to get up. And you're like, what? And then she slaps you again, and suddenly you're in the bay of this airship, and you're part of a mercenary band that's on its way for like a uh, suicide run to take out the enemy base <laughs> in the middle of this war. It's actually kind of cool. It's very yeah, it was funny. Wake up, Proto. You're on a suicide mission. Get up. She's like, get your ass out of bed. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? Kat, it's it's amazing because there are so many points that aren't just like JRPG throwbacks, but like anime throwbacks. So I I am half convinced there are some Gundam bits in here that I'm just not immediately recognizing. Oh yeah, but, like what? Um, like there's just so one of the main things is a fantasy world. It is very um 
swords and sorcery. But then there's also sky armor, which are just mechs. They just have mechs in this fantasy world. Why not? And, they do it in um, Final Fantasy. <laughs> your your main character is absolutely an Amuro Ray. Like I fell into the mech and turned out to be a really good pilot type of dude. And uh, you're like the, the ace pilot of this mercenary band. And there's just a lot of times where I feel like there's like a vague reference to Gundam. And also because there's very much more overtly a lot of Evangelion in this uh, game. There is a character that literally his his sky armor wields a lance of Longinus. And I am now at the point in the game where you have sky armor of your own and you can choose paint jobs. And some of them are labeled Adam 001, Adam 002 and Adam 00. And they are the like purple and green red and orange uh white and blue of, of course of shinji Oscar ray yeah um anyways this is a turn-based battle rpg where uh the cool thing it does is there are no levels you don't have leveling whatsoever what you do is you gain grimoire shards which are kind of your you use them to unlock new abilities on your ability board for each character And then you have SP, which levels up your individual abilities so they can level up as you go kind of tactics like uh, in that way. You also (laughs) you have while you're in these RPG battles an overdrive meter. So as you do attacks, abilities, as you score goals at the World Cup and cause Cat to (laughs) lose her mind (laughs) in the middle of a podcast, um, you build up uh energy over time and you can get up into this green area where if you're in in neutral in yellow you everything's normal it's a normal rpg battle but in green you take less damage and do more damage and all your abilities cost less mp but if you push that too far and it goes into the red into overdrive now you take more damage (laughs) so it's this really careful balancing act where you have to use abilities and and it will pop up like an icon that's like hey use a slash attack and will decrease your overdrive instead of bumping it up and so you have to kind of like respond in kind and really just adjust your strategy constantly in a way that i think is really inventive and keeps every battle feeling very fresh as you as you go through them uh and then it does the final fantasy 10 thing of it has boss fights that feel so bespoke that feel so like crafted as an encounter uh and i I think a lot of games do struggle with boss fights i think chained echoes the boss fights are some of the highlight of this game because they will come up with fascinating things they do for individual boss fights and they're like okay this one uh he's he's gonna like snap his fingers every so often and change location and then spawn additional enemies that you then have to take care of or deal with in certain ways like one of them is a bomb that will explode and when it dies or when it uses an ability it will do damage to everybody but you're going to need to figure out when you want to pop that bomb because you're going to need to heal up and get ready so that way you're ready when the boss acts right so you don't like blow the bomb and then have the boss strike you right after do you um do you remember that game by Z-Boyd Games? Um, it had the really cool anime aesthetic. Came out on the Nintendo Switch and PS4 and various other platforms. Oh yeah. Um, oh, I know was, exactly the one. The, I can't remember the name off the top of my head it, for yeah. some reason. Not Cosmic Star, right? Cosmic, Cosmic Star, Star Heroine. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Robert has been on the show a few times and actually has a new game that he released recently, which is basically magical oh, right. anime ga- girls, mm-hmm. but it's in a mm-hmm. Shakespearean context. Um, 
I've been right. meaning to get around to it because Robert's been like, hey, are you going to come on the show? Uh, let me back on the show. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Cosmic Star Heroine. I like that game, but I think it's a great example of getting the Chrono Trigger approach wrong because mm-hmm. um, it has all of these bespoke encounters, but they're all dial combos. So it gets really repetitive mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. fast. And I think it shows how special Chrono Trigger was in that the actual battles never got boring. Um, and it was so particular in the way that <laughs> it placed them and everything. And so it's really impressive to hear Chained <laughs> that Chained Echoes got it right. Yeah, it it's honestly like I could talk for an entire podcast, which may may or may not happen at some point about everything that I think Chained Echoes does right. Um, it, it It's just a really impressive game that, again, it's a uh, mostly solo project from Matthias Linda. Uh, it's been years in the making. We've had a lot of games like this this year, um, Signalis and things like that, where it is clearly a passion project from a small team that really wanted to get this thing done and make this thing. And again, like Signalis, I think it is a very clear understanding of what made those games interesting. Cause I mean, you can see not just the influence of Chrono Trigger, but of final fantasy 12 of Chrono Cross of final fantasy 10 of even tactics stuff and all that. You can see all the little ways in which, someone's history is playing into the game that they've created. And even like, I I think one drawback I would say is that a lot of the story beats feel a little familiar in that way. I will say there is a content. (laughs) Yeah. I will say there is a content warning that was pointed out in our discord. Um, It's a strange moment. There's nothing visual. They just talk about an event that happens. But if, if you are, um, not wild about assault. Um, you okay. want to be aware of that going in that there is a described one in there. Yeah, it's really special when I, uh, that's fair. Uh, but it's also really special when I, uh, just say a game that is sort of a tribute. Yes. Uh, yeah. to a classic game, um, drops, but ends up having a very, it's more than just nostalgia filter it has a clear understanding of what worked about that game Mm -hmm. somebody mentioned Mm -hmm. stardew valley vibes with the aesthetic yes i would go as far as to say stardew valley the reason we talk about stardew valley like games instead of harvest moon like games is because stardew valley understood exactly what made harvest moon work and then just did it a hundred times better (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah this feels like for all the times that other games have tried to replicate the feeling of playing one of those RPGs, this one really got the heart of what was at the center of it. And even I I say this as somebody that likes Octopath. I think Octopath sometimes is a game that gets too lost in the minutia of what it means to be that sort of throwback RPG. And Chained Echoes does not ever feel bound by that. It feels like it is using that as just a way to kind of inform how it can do more interesting things and create more interesting ideas. Um, it is really just a thing that I've been loving going back to. Runs great on Steam Deck. Shout outs to that. <laughs> I think I'm going to play it on Switch. Because every time I yeah, get a game... Yeah. I, I don't want to get indies on Steam Deck anymore because every time I do that, I'm like, oh, I wish I were playing this on Switch right now. But mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. Uh, I do like to play games like Persona 5 Royal on Steam Deck. So it's a balancing act. I also left, I, I ended up leaving my Steam Deck home uh, when I went to Holland and that ended up being the, the right choice, I think. But it's, uh, it's, had, it's hard to travel with. 
Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's huge. Um, I, I've i had my eye on uh, Chained Echoes ever since it was released and started getting some hype. I've got a bunch of games on my backlog that I would like to try, but this is definitely one that I'm going to install uh, mm-hmm. over the holidays, mm-hmm. and we'll mm-hmm. see how it goes. Um, in the meantime, um, I finished a game while I was on this when I was on this holiday. I, I knocked Ooh, out goodness. Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah, um, it's a great excellent game. game. Beautiful, great ending. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of really fun boss fights. Uh, had a blast with it. Ultimately, great soundtrack I, too. Like it's the definition of a, a it's the definition of a headphones game. Like this, it really is. Mm-hmm. rumbling reverb, and so. Um, I was getting a little stressed out because I was having trouble finding the the final piece or whatever to get into the final dungeon area, but mm. finally I was able to find it. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really pleased that I um, ended up getting around to playing this one. Uh, shout out to DJ Bagel Pup for uh, introducing me to Hyperlight Drifter. Also, oh, awesome. I'm back into Pokemon Go. Yes, I enough. saw I saw your message and I was like, oh my god, Cat sent me a gift. Cat's back. <laughs> tell talk about like timing because I had just gotten a Sneaky D's Pokestop from uh, I was in the area and I <gasps> gave it to someone because I was like, oh, I want to give this to Cat, but she doesn't play anymore, so I gave it to someone else. Oh no! <laughs> I'll yeah, give you, I'll give you one next time. Yeah, I got into it because of uh, my partner's coworker uh, Lauren, who is still big into Pokemon Go. She's like, you're gonna play Pokemon Go? Like she put her her phone in front of me and was like. So, what's your friend's uh, code? I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. are we doing this? Okay. So, I reinstalled. I got a lot of Amsterdam areas. I happen to have a community day. There's a lot of new Pokemon. Gen 5 and Gen 6 are out now. So, some yeah. Gen 7s as well. So, I've <clears throat> been catching a lot of Pokemon. Having a good time. Sending gifts. Uh, kind of exploring some of the new stuff. I love the stickers. The That's stickers fun. are great. Um, and then I ended up uh, playing some Pokemon Scarlet, or sorry, some Pokemon Violet on the flight home. And I was vibing with it a bit more, probably because it's not hard for a game to look better than Pokemon Go. And Pokemon Violet looks better than Pokemon Go, so. Does it? You would say that? Yeah, I would definitely say that. Oh, okay. Certainly the Pokemon more detailed, yeah, world's right. a bit more detailed, uh, that kind of thing. Um, also, France just leveled the score. Wow. <laughs> this is this game is just completely wild. I can't believe it. But I, I'm really doing my best to give Pokemon a fair shake. I want it to, I I don't want it to be good necessarily, but I do want to be like, okay, I'm going to play through this game. I'm going to do the thing. A couple of extra games on my backlog right now, including uh, Warhammer 40k Demon Hunters, which I installed. Mm-hmm. Um and was like, wow, this is fantastic. It's just Warhammer 40k plus XCOM. I'm in. Let's go. Um, it's not as good on the Steam Deck as I had kind of hoped because it's very kind of blurs together a lot, but I was into it. And also I got the uh, Witcher 3 remaster and I'm all set to go with that one. And definitely being in Amsterdam left me with big, like a big desire to play Witcher 3 again. Cause mm-hmm. Oh, it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of those castles, more gothic elements, that kind of thing. That was making me go like, yeah, I definitely want to play some uh, some Witcher 3 now. So that will probably be my holiday game is finally beating Blood and Wine. Lots of, lots of games on my plate. Uh, before I pass on to Nadia, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, my partner's co-worker, Ben, who is a big Axe the Blood God fan. Um, we ended up, yeah. <laughs> we ended up meeting and having a good and cool conversation about RPGs. Uh, So thanks so much for your uh, support, Ben. Yes, thank you. 
Yeah, appreciate you. All right, Nadia, what have you been playing? Uh, I'm kind of waffling back and forth. I'm trying to finish Harvestella. I really want to finish it. I found out recently that you can romance all the characters, or I mean, one of the characters, but you can romance them all. But so I decided, you know what? I kind of like that goth doctor chick. I also mm, kind of like mm-hmm, the uh, mm-hmm. area, the main character, I, uh, the, the main chick who you follow. She's really cool. So I don't know. It's such a, I know it's not the greatest in terms of like farming and gameplay. And what Reb said about the economy not adding up was hilarious because she's absolutely right. <laughs> but it's just such a unique world, such a unique idea. I really I do want to see it succeed. Um, I really wish that they weren't charging full price for it. But yeah. The Square, side, Enix I mean, it's, Square Enix. It's, I mean, no shade to the developers. They absolutely did a, the best they could, but you could tell it's a budget game. And yeah. it just looks like one. It kind of runs like one. And that's not a bad thing, but it's not priced budget. So uh, they're going to have a hard time with that one. And I really I really hope that everything succeeds with, their, with that uh, game. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm playing Dragon Quest Treasures, which is a lot of fun. Kind of what scattered. What is it? It doesn't really know what it is. That's kind of the only big I problem I, I have I don't really it. understand it. Like, I have a better appreciation for it because I played Dragon Quest Eleven and I did that side quest and everything. Or I wouldn't call it a side quest, but you get what I'm saying. With Eric and, and me. Yeah. yeah. So I understand the, the background to it, but what's the actual game? Well, it's collecting treasure. And that's what kind of baffles me because it seems so aimless in terms of a main uh, story beyond restore like this railway to these like abandoned land, which is kind of cool. I like doing that kind of thing. But uh, otherwise, you're going around with your monster friends, and they can track down treasure, and you dig up the treasure, and you collect the treasure, and you take it back to your little treasure base, and uh, you just make the numbers go up. And there is a plot, but it's there's so many side quests that everything kind of gets lost, and it's very much kind of a big weird like toddler painting of a game you know what i mean it's all colorful and fun and maybe not a lot of substance it's certainly no dragon quest builders too but it's still a pretty good time i'm enjoying it it's very cute and it does chug a bit on the switch but by god it looks better than pokemon which is kind of sad but but pokemon catching strays over here (laughs) yeah but i mean i don't want to be like that towards pokemon i am waiting for an update that makes it at least a little more uh runnable i suppose is the word i could use but in the meantime i got plenty of things to play at this point i'm just kind of shrugging uh, at all of the weird I, i'm <laughs> almost at that point because i want to get the story and all that done and I'm, I'm a single player pokemon person and i know this is a very good single player pokemon game apparently i was venting a bit to my new pal ben about uh pokemon violet and the general direction of pokemon and how i just don't like the raids and uh they were kind of boring in pokemon sword and shield and they're just as boring here for the most part i don't really like the terrestrializing i wish they had more solo content there's just a it's it's just not the direction that i would necessarily want the the game to go per se um and it goes all the way back to uh singles versus doubles you know i prefer single battles versus double battles um and it i you can hear me vent a lot about this in a the pokemon black and white pantheon podcast but scarlet and violet just kind of highlights it's like okay the world open world stuff is fine i don't like the end game stuff anymore i wish that there were more cool solo content i wish it had more ways to make the pokemon and my character feel like my own and it's kind of done that in fits and starts but uh 
Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Uh, I, it's less that I hope that there's an update that I hope that the, makes the game run better and more that I hope the ex, an, an expansion uh, does a lot I, like Sword and Shield did. I, I think you need to see the ending of this game because I think regardless of everything else in Scarlet Violet, I think the ending of Scarlet and Violet is one of the biggest swings I've seen this team take in a long time. And it just goes for it in a way that I, I really do wish the rest of the game had been like that, because then I think we'd be talking about this as like a game of the year contender. But uh, is it, it is, that good? The Pokemon it's, it's story has never been that good. It's, no, it's always I mean, been good. It's not it's even just it's not even just story. It is. I, I'm trying like not to give the whole bag away, but like it is what they do with the concept it, it is, is the moment like a full where metal, it, is this like a full metal alchemist situation where they're suddenly in the real world no no oh god no don't talk about that if we do fall <laughs> of full metal we're watching full metal alchemist brotherhood the good full metal alchemist all right hey i um, like full metal alchemist the original when it was airing back in like 2006 that's, or whatever that's because you've been you've been eating the bad one for a long time it's okay there's a good one <laughs> out there really we're gonna bring you over end. Yeah, it really what if it was really good and then just stayed good? <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, there's um, a lot of nightmare fuel in uh, the original FMA, so. it's I. But Scarlet Violet, like the ending, they, they pull something off that I think I'd been waiting the entire game for them to do. And it makes me hopeful that maybe this is something they're thinking about doing for the future, but it's. I won't say more than that, but it's worth seeing the end of this game just to get a like glimpse of where Pokemon could go with an expansion or with the future. Drew says, and Japan's awkward interest in World War II Germany continues to this day. I would yeah. say it's more. I'd say it's more World War One Germany, but splitting hairs here. All right, that's it for what we've been playing, and now it's time for a series of random encounters. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters are finally coming to Switch and PS4 in spring 2023. RPG site says that they are, in fact, going to fix those fonts, thank God. But I'm less concerned about the fonts and more concerned about the stuttering, which is very noticeable and very distracting. So I, I, I would care more about them fixing that than uh, the actual fonts, if I'm being totally honest. Not Hollow wants to know if we're going to order that massive box set and no. 
Mm-hmm. I hear it's already sold out. By the time I knew about it, it was like long sold out. And I was up at like ass o'clock and it just went live and it was gone. The font is the font. Sorry. The cover art is boring. It's like, I could do that art. So, oh, good job. You put a bunch of, you photoshopped a bunch of pixel art characters onto this thing in a big radial circle. Good job, you. You you did it. <laughs> some logos. You did mm-hmm. it. That's some graphic design. <laughs> We've have it all. Graphic design is Square Enix's passion. Um, <laughs> Baldur's Gate 3 is getting patch 9, adding paladins and some sister system updates. Sister updates. Your white might be its last big update before the launch. I'm looking forward to Baldur's Gate 3. Next mm-hmm. year is going to be lit in terms of RPG releases. Chris Metzen is returning to Warcraft as a creative advisor. Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection has gotten a April 14 launch date. Falcom announced a Switch port for Ease Oath in Falgana with improved graphics, fully voiced events, three soundtracks, including yeah, one from the PC, crazy. 8801, a speed mode, and a beginner mode. That's the best, uh, it's the best Ease in my It is for opinion. sure one of the best ones. Uh, definitely good to start with. It's bef- I think it was the last game before everything went 3D, or maybe that was 7, but... Uh, definitely the best of the kind of top-down 2D ones. They also announced the new Ease game, and you can steer a boat in it, which is very funny if you know anything about yeah. Ease games. It's so. going to immediately crash. <laughs> well, if you look at the artwork for Ease uh, 10, uh, it's basically the boat and a big-ass whale about to just kind of, looks like it's about to crash on the boat, so yeah, there's it yeah. all for you. I really want them to like introduce all the systems and tutorialize it and everything, and then just immediately destroy your boat. <laughs> Turn the wheel right. It's funnier than anything that has happened in High on Life. And finally, uh, apparently there are getting wider watermarks in Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII yes. Reunion. Which, uh, <laughs> That's funny as hell. That game came out, I think, while I was in Amsterdam. And it. I would say that the reaction has been mixed uh, for the most part. People don't seem too high on the, uh, the actual cutscenes and that kind of thing. And that the Getty watermarks suggest that, I don't know, this seems a little, shall we say, sloppy on Square Enix's part. I think a lot of people who originally championed this game were like, finally, with the 7 remake, everyone will come back and recognize that the Zack Fair game is great. And then the same thing happened that happened when the original game came out. Is everyone's kind of like, oh, that's okay. It's out. That's nice. Um, when's remake part two again? Uh, I just I don't know that there's a lot of interest in this game, especially if they did not like the graphic stuff that I've seen is really impressive, but nothing has changed about the gameplay. And I was hearing that a lot of the stuff from the PSP, even like the small, weird, like ways you would encounter battles and stuff like that are exactly the same. And it's that doesn't, you know, it's not a remake. And no, no, it's definitely not a remake. It's a revamp. It might be. Yeah, it might be Square setting like too high of a standard for things they've done in the past and then like having other things not quite get up to that. So still worth a play, though. Crisis Core is a good light game. It's a great story. Great cutscenes. I never finished Crisis Core, so I've always been meaning to get back to it. But per usual, I have a giant backlog, so I have to be choosy about what I actually get around to playing. All right. It's time now for the end of the year mailbag in which we talk about the games that came out in 2022 and also the games in 2023. We read your questions. And the first one is from Clue, K-L-O-U. 
It seems to be normal nowadays for a game to be universally praised or criticized upon release, and then months or years later, the general opinion of the game has flipped. My question for the crew is, which games really stick out in your mind that you loved initially and were not so hot on later, and a vice versa? Um, I'll start with mine. Um, Metroid Samus Returns, the Metroid 2 remake. I uh, I gave that a perfect score. I remember US that. Gamer, when gamer, I reviewed it. Yeah. I really loved it. Uh, in, in hindsight, uh, maybe not so much. The bloat is real in that game. Uh, mm. I still think it's better than some people give it credit for, but I, yeah, I, I don't know about Final That digger boss. Score. I wanted to kill myself just mm-hmm. trying to finish mm-hmm. that thing. Ugh, it was terrible. But I did like the game, but I was surprised at the 5 out of 5. Yeah, I, I mean... I was just really high on having a Metroid game back. I don't blame I was you. Like, Hell yeah, Metroid, let's go. <laughs> but uh, Dread like really improved over it a lot. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In hindsight, also, I reviewed Final Fantasy 16, and I would give it a much lower score than I ultimately did. I gave it like a eight out of ten, I think. Um, and I think that I would four out of Wait, five. Final, I think I Final gave it a four Fantasy? out of five. Final Fantasy 16. 15, 15, 15. Oh, 15. 15. Okay. okay, that makes more sense. Like, I'm just looking ahead, ahead to the, the future. Here. <laughs> looking ahead to the future. No, in hindsight, I would give Final Fantasy 15 a much lower score than I ultimately mm. did. Maybe maybe a 3 or even a 2. Dang. Uh, oh. Because that game is a freaking mess. It no, just I, is. I, I gave it an 8, and I'd stand by that 8. I'd stand I, by an 8, yeah. Really? I, I, I do would. like that game. I think it's one that I do. I like I, the boys, but the ending is totally unearned. The oh, final dungeon is mm. horrible to the point that they had to completely revamp it. They did. They the did. Patch. That's, that's it's true. It's one that's of the true. worst yeah. final dungeons I've ever played through. It's the cool world makes no dang sense. Though. The battle system is not good. Battle it's pretty bad, fine. actually. Balthus There's fine. a lot of half-realized ideas, like Titan. Uh, like, the Titan fight is really cool, and the Leviathan fight is really cool. Leviathan's but awesome. Like you can see that they wanted to do something with the like the behemoth side, side quest and that kind of thing, but yeah, a lot of half realized ideas. The game completely falls off once you uh, get away from the actual open world. Yeah, so f- when I look back on hindsight, Final Fantasy fifteen is just a mess. It's just a huge. Oh, it's mess. a mess, but it was like just such a unique mess to me. Like I love yeah. just I was in the car listening to Genova's theme, and then it's like you stop at what looks like for all the world like any roadside ditch on the mm-hmm. interstate and you're like oh shit there's a big midgar storm or uh, snake there i want to kill that so you stop you you go down to this creek and you kill the big ass snake it looks exactly like the interstate but there's freaking huge ass snakes everywhere i love that stuff i i think it is like final fantasy has struggled at times i think to in the 3d era capture that feeling of a questing party you know running around the overworld We've talked about this before that as as RPGs transferred into the 3D era, like I love Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy X is a game that uses set dressing to make it feel like a larger journey than it really is. It feels almost more like stage playish in that way where you are running through a hallway for the most part is a one way trip. And is that one might argue part of the theme and part of the idea? Yes, but they also like kind of intimate grandeur when there is not as much to explore there and i think 15 was their attempt to try and create that questing party and i think in that way it is really really cool and there's some stuff it does in the end that i absolutely love i think the whole segment where you are basically playing a survival horror game is kind of wild and i love it when games take swings like that 
I think some of the story material they get into at the end is really incredible. Stuff with um, Prompto is really, really interesting and got better with the, the DLC. DLC too. Is, the DLC is all right. The, the, the Prompto DLC, when it became Metal Gear Solid for some yeah. reason, this game <laughs> is like emblematic of Final Fantasy where it has no clear unifying vision at all. And they're just like, let's just do this. Let's just do that. And yeah, you could call it calling it taking a big swing, but I just call it being really, really messy, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> I just fair. call That's it fair. just trying a lot of random things and seeing what sticks. And uh, and the the project itself was a mess from the start. I, I think Final Fantasy 15 is everything that's wrong with Final Fantasy. And you can like clip me out, put me on like TikTok or whatever. <laughs> with like text floating over me while I'm like going, Final Fantasy 15 is what's wrong with Final Fantasy. And like 16 is coming out and I'm nominally excited about it, but it doesn't look like Final Fantasy at all to me. Stop trying to be God mm. of War slash Witcher dudes. Make a mm. freaking Final Fantasy game. You know why Final Fantasy 14 is so loved and so... It's because it's Final Fantasy is all heck. Mm-hmm. It leans into the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy. Lean into the Final Fantasy, guys. Mm-hmm. 16 all does right. have Moogles, though. I saw the Cat's Cat's right. Cat should play Final Fantasy 14. That would really be the bomb. I agree. That would be the panacea for everything. I agree. Yeah. Clip that out and put it on TikTok. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We just talk Cat into playing 14. Uh, I, I have an answer for this. Uh, let me take you back to my uh, college dorm room circa 2012. And... Uh, young young eric is sitting there playing a game on his little i had, I had like the worst monitor it was like an 18 inch oh, monitor and my xbox 360 right next to it and i'm sitting there and i'm playing and i sit back and i've put down the controller and i'm just sitting there thinking and i'm going eric i don't know i'm young I'm, i potentially have a full life ahead of me i don't know if i'll ever play a game as good as bioshock infinite was no, no. <laughs> at least say Bioshock. At least say the first one. Yeah, I did a, uh, yeah, I really like that game when it came out. <laughs> I did a mock review for Bioshock Infinite. Oh, did you? Uh, oh, I Ooh. did. And when they asked what my opinion was, I said, "I think it's going to be regarded as a modern sci-fi classic." <laughs> you you weren't wrong. Everyone was real hot on that game. <laughs> and see, the thing is, I. Look, I acknowledge that I've grown as a critic in the years since and maybe have started to uh, been able to acknowledge the the oversights that I made while playing that game in favor of, oh, there's always there's always a girl. There's always a lighthouse. They play uh, God Only Knows, but it's a barbershop quartet and it's in the universe. Isn't that I cool? And I loved that music, actually. I mean, I think the there production are a lot of things and there. there's yeah. a lot of cool things about that game in terms of the art. But God, you can feel so many of the decisions where they were like, yeah, we had a lot of cool ideas. And then Ken Levine decided to scrap everything and do it all over Good again. Ken right? Levine. Didn't yeah. they have like a barbershop yeah. quartet version of everybody wants to rule the world? Like everybody wants to rule the world. And it was like, I was just blown that away. Sounds how great right. that was. I, I will sounds say, right. yeah. in, in, in fairness to past cat, um, I was like, I think the ending, I think the second half of this game is really weak. It's obvious that they ran out of time. That final that final battle really stunk and it and, oh God, and i stand right. by that it did and also uh everything it does with the story is pretty bad as well but yeah um. <laughs> yeah no there that was the era of eric liking bad video games because that was also when i was really into grand theft auto 5 
um, which is a cool systems game, but the story of that game is just terrible. Do you mean semi-finalist for best game of all time, according to the IGN readers, GTA 5? Well, there's no accounting for taste, but... It's systems wise, GTA five is an incredible game. Uh, but yes, I, I agree. I hate I the characters so much. Hate yeah. the characters. Oh exactly. I, I really do. I don't think like, I wish they would go back to GTA four and learn some lessons from GTA four when it comes to character writing. But, um, that was also when I was into Skyrim. Uh, look, Eric just had to get all this out of his system. All right. And then Eric had to go play some indie RPGs and discover where the good shit was that Eric had to play the beginner's guide and undertale and near automata. That's not an indie RPG. I know, but that those are all games that did. I can mark as like fundamental shifts in how I viewed stuff. And, and I, it's weird to look back on and be like, Oh yeah, I thought that stuff was primo. It's like this dude being like, my favorite movie is the prestige by Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, you need to watch more movies. <laughs> the prestige was good though. It's a good Is there movie. something wrong with the I'm prestige? Just, no, I Why just are you hating the prestige. The prestige is, is one I've talked with people about this. It's, it's one that like when someone says it, it's like, you can tell they probably watched it in college and we're like, that's a really good movie, but they haven't watched a lot of other movies since. And that is just, okay. I don't think it's a bad movie. What counts as a best movie. I mean, <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying for some reason, it's always it's the prestige. Really well done. Specifically it's arguably the Christopher prestige. Nolan's best movie. I it, haven't it, seen it. It is. I would actually say it's, it's excellent. Christopher Nolan's best movie. But yeah. I'm just. I'm just saying it is one that every time someone's like, "Oh, I don't like watching old movies," they're then like, "My favorite movie is The Prestige," and I'm like, "Yeah, that that lines up." <laughs> it just always Jeez. happens. Eric, like, I, just I'm being sorry. so judgy. I'm What's not the best saying movie it's a of bad all time, movie. Eric. Oh, I know. Um, Put it, lay it all on the line right here. Big, if you're gonna be so such fan. a hater, I'm a big fan of noir stuff. So I would probably go with the Hitchcock. Um, I like Vertigo a lot. Dunkirk um, is Nolan's best movie. I totally agree. That movie was incredible. Okay. Oh, on. Brick is really good. Brick is very good. She I've been wanting to rewatch Brick, brick at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Brick is. I brick, know is brick is an early. Um, oh, Babyface from 50 Days of Summer. Uh, 500 Days of Summer. Um, but it's it's basically like a modern noir film uh where it's like set in kind of 90s era but it takes place in a high school and it's it's almost like riverdale if riverdale tried to do noir and wasn't like also about ghouls and goblins and drugs i and thought stuff riverdale like did do noir they they do it in like a campy way this is like trying to make a modern noir movie set in a like 90s high school uh and it works really really well it's a very very good movie Sardin says Memento and Inception are so much better than The Prestige. I can say yes to Memento. Actually, Memento is probably its best one. I do like Memento. It was a very well-crafted movie. Uh, Inception, I will go with the Rick and Morty quote. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a bad movie. Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, Inception is one of those ones where it's like the production was really incredible. But yes. the I got actual mad story I got part, mad yeah. at Inception. I was just, this is so dumb. Dunkirk was such... Such an accomplishment because I felt like I was there in the middle of like a battlefield that was happening on three different fronts in the way that they shot the the water scenes, uh, the air scenes, um, the ways that it came all together. I it's probably the best World War Two movie I've ever watched. Uh, and you can you, you can be like, hey, cat, 
There's a little movie called Saving Private Ryan, and I acknowledge that. That was also an incredible movie. But, wow, Dunkirk hit different. That was, uh, it didn't feel like a movie. You know what? Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner might actually be my favorite movie. Really? Blade Runner? I love Blade Runner. I didn't like it very much. I watched it once. I was like, okay. Now that's a basic opinion. (laughs) I know. I know. It is. That is. That is a very basic thing of me, but I... I really like Blade Runner and I've I've liked it more each time I've watched it. Have you seen the original Super Mario Brothers movie? No. Because that is a Blade <laughs> that is a Blade Runner tribute. You gotta see it. That's the Blade Runner of video game movies. It <laughs> is though. <laughs> no, Nadia, you can't take me down this path. Yes, I can and I will. I mean it, it was designed the by way. the Blade Runner set designer. <laughs> It is. It's incredible. Like this movie totally makes no was. sense whatsoever. Nothing, but the sets are incredible. Nadia, what what game were you really high on or really low on that you ultimately decided that you liked? Uh, I'll go the opposite way. I'll say that actually, I did not think much of Earthbound when I first played it, and that was a two part problem. Number one, I was just like, "Wow, this is kind of a primitive looking slash primitive playing game to play after Chrono Trigger." Like you still have the um, this, this, the one-on-one battles, the slower pacing. Uh, the game is very slow to start when you just are Ness and you are kind of fighting against everything by yourself. It is hard until you get to, um, I think it's Happy Happy Valley. And that's when I realized, number one, you pick up Paula, who is, so you have another party member. And that means actually your inventory is expanded too because they limit your inventory until then. And just the things got easier and the story got weirder and weirder. And I'm like, wow, I'm I'm part of this cult now or I'm, I'm infiltrating this cult where they're going to sacrifice a little girl. Like it's just and then you, from there you go to Threed, which is like a zombie infested town, which is even creepier. And I was like, yeah, I actually really like where this game is going now. That's actually fun to play. I can I can deal with this. I think I really had my turning point when um, you get Jeff and you go to like his side quest over in winters like and of course the soundtrack i was just like wow this soundtrack is incredible and thank god you have different battle themes nobody does that it drives me crazy earthbound does it really really well um also though what changed my mind is that the first time i tried to play i uh, was playing the uh, cursed roms that oh no roms like that were had piracy protection by upping the enemy encounter rate by like tenfold or something ridiculous. So I'm like, why is this game so hard to play? Why is there so many encounters? This is stupid. So I put it down. I learned at some point, okay, I was playing one of the cursed ROMs. I got a clean ROM. Uh, Again, this is when Earthbound was like $1,000 on eBay. You weren't getting it. And once I played it, the way it was supposed to be played, I was like, this is still kind of hard. But once you get past that hump, it is honestly like just one of the best RPGs thematically that you could possibly play and you appreciate the graphics for what they are not like oh what is this Crayola crap you're like okay this is a decision they made and of course later on you find out okay mother looked very much the same just with an NES palette so yeah Earthbound was slow to grow on me but when it did it it really did I didn't like Metal Gear Solid when I first played it I never liked it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) really I just didn't like it. I tried over and over again. I was wow. just like, uh, eh, not my thing. Wow. I'm, I, I, I'm learning things about Nadia here. No, I, um, I, I played when I, I got to the first area, when I originally played in the PlayStation, I'm like, I don't get this game. And I turned it off and walked away. And then people are like, no, it's so good. So I came back, got to the elevator this time. 
And when I went into the actual area with the pine tea and pineapples, um, I, uh, I was like, okay, I'm in on this game. This game is incredible. And subsequently, I think it's the best Metal Gear game. Go check out our Metal Gear Solid Retronauts episode. That was a lot of fun. The Hoot Nanny, which a lot of, uh, a lot of takes are dropped. All right. Speaking of takes, uh, Vo the Raven asks, simple question. What were your, some of your favorite Axe of the Bug Guide pods to make in 2022? Um, a lot of specials. Um, mm, I really mm-hmm, enjoyed mm-hmm. doing the Pantheon of the Blood God for Bloodborne. <clears throat> that was Because I've said, that game club was one of the most special gaming moments I've ever had in my life. Aww, it was that's nice. like bonding with the community, all working together to get to the end was so amazing. And then... I was just like on cloud nine when I made that, when I made that podcast, just talking about all the ways that Bloodborne really hit. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely never going to, definitely never going to forget that. It was, it was something else. Yeah. I, uh, I think for me, the, the autumn of the avatar was probably some of my favorite stuff to put together. I thought it was really fun doing the regular updates every week. Um, charting our journey like that was really cool um you know it was something you got new to hear we, me we make out. you got to hear me make decision or like make predictions that turned out yeah. to be true because i'm so smart like, what if airbenders bent lightning and i'm sitting there like oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it was it was a cool thing that i think doing it that way and you know ripping myself off by stealing a norm dfm idea <laughs> and turning it into a blood god <laughs> idea it was, great. Yourself. Um, it was really well done though it, like, i, I think like, it was okay it was cool <laughs> to do it that way yeah because like in hindsight i wish that summer of gundam had been a lot more organized I yes think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah we did um, learn some lessons so we learned a lot of lessons i think from summer of gundam and turned it into i think uh something that we can do somewhat regularly and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah i we're going to be doing a Blood God census real soon. And one of the things I'm really curious to know about is like how much people really enjoy the, shall we say, the, the, the television and movie specials. Mm-hmm. Do you want us to talk about this stuff or would you rather us stick to games? I, I'm probably guessing the former, but. Yeah, it's it, it's cool. And I think it's it's also nice for us because as much as we like talking about RPGs, you know, we we do kind of try to cover a broad thing. But one of the things I really liked about the Autumn of the Avatar was how it felt like it was constantly linking back to RPGs anyways and and just kind of viewing things through an RPG lens. And that that absolutely made it one of my favorite things. I also love the D&D podcast. I thought the D&D was podcast fun. was a blast. That that hill that almost killed the entire party. <laughs> <laughs> Did I fall down the stairs or something ridiculous? Yeah, like it was, yeah, it was we just tried fun. to go down the rope and all of us almost died. Badger, like, Orlando. It was actively hilarious how much like like combat barely happened in that episode but that one hill and that one chimney took us like (laughs) 15 minutes to get down and almost killed us all the great tragedy is that the actual video version never survived that's too bad that that was a bummer um because it was so fun to i think it was even more fun to watch us react in real time was while stuff was happening yeah yeah uh, abby asks is the dnd special lost in time no the audio is up um, the audio, the audio is, is up there um it. it's just the video uh turns out there's a setting in twitch that you have to 
tick. And if you're somebody who hasn't made a Twitch channel in over a decade, you might forget to tick that setting. <laughs> Twitch makes it harder than ever to actually be able to, uh, shall we say, uh, archive things mm-hmm, at this point. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty annoying. It's almost like they don't want you to archive the videos. I will say that I do have an archive of the entire uh, charity stream that we did, and that will be going up over the holidays. That is one of my holiday tasks that I'm doing. Uh, and we do plan on doing some more video work at some point, whatever that ends up looking like. Uh, that'll probably be part of our census. But would love to be able to move over to YouTube or be mm-hmm. able to start posting yeah. episodes on YouTube. As it is, uh, we currently record on the discord but i have some thoughts about how we can mm-hmm. uh, do this um i've just been real busy so it's been a lot of catch up and everything but yeah it's been a it's been a fun year i think uh, a lot of cool new ideas but I, I think the champ might be when we did the top 25 remake um mm. yeah in hindsight maybe maybe a hoot nanny would have been like the better the better call uh, in terms of building our top 25 list, but ended up being a fun negotiation regardless. We uh, had a great time at PAX. Like, uh, oh, the, yeah. The yeah. I, I was actually stunned how many people came to our, our panel. Like, I saw people lined up outside the door. I'm like, these mm-hmm. are all here for mm-hmm. us. That's uh, that's kind of cool. So, turns out that was you, a lot of fun. pretty popular, Nadia. They were all there for you. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew who the mm-hmm. hell I was, but it was, <laughs> it was great. They know who, who the hell you are. They saw the topic and they wanted to see the topics, but. Yeah, I did see people like people ah, would come and say hi yeah, to me, which is very like, nice. So the blood god, wow! I can see the independent RPG podcast in person. This is incredible, and you can do and it I, next year too. I think we can at this point say that we are planning on going to PAX East 2023 and and doing a panel there. So that hasn't been that second part hasn't been approved yet. But I know I'm fully locked in for PAX East, so I'll be going too. Um, there, there are stuff. plans in the I works too for that. We'll be going to PAX East this year. Who's to so. say if a panel may occur or not? <laughs> it's up to you, Reed Pop. <laughs> We've got to pitch it. I don't know why they would say no, but. Uh, you owe us. <laughs> yeah. I just hope they do it on Saturday because yes. that would end up. Sunday panels oh, are the yeah. worst. Yeah. I had a Sunday when, panel would be pretty rough. When oh, I was at the Midwest thing, Gaming Classic, uh, I had a Sunday evening panel. It was like. It was chill. Oof. It was cool, but there were not a lot of people there. Blood but it was God fun nonetheless. To, Happy says Blood God needs to come down to Texas. Look, I can try and talk him down, but there's no events down here anymore now that Reed Pop finally killed off Pack South. So uh, we're just going to have to make our own Pack we'll South. We'll have to make our own packs. packs exactly. Blood God. Make it Packs North. We'll have it in my apartment. It it has to be it has to be at San Antonio though because I had a ritual every year of pack south of going to the Margaritaville that was there and that has to still be a part of this going to Margaritaville put it in Austin put it in a city people actually want to go to I want to go to Margaritaville <laughs> I think the death knell of pack south was that it was oh, in San Antonio sorry Houston, San Antonio people Houston would be a good one Houston would That's be like good like putting pack north in Minneapolis like I love, I'm happy to talk uh, crap about my favorite hometown. But come on, Pax North <laughs> should be in like Chicago or something. That'd pick be a fun. town. Pick a town that people want to go to. Toronto. People didn't want to go to San Antonio. That's why Pax South was forever small. It was mm-hmm. also an awkward fit for the the events calendar. Is San Antonio where the Alamo is? 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the Alamo. I can't believe you forgot the Alamo, Nadia. It the was the Alamo. one thing. Do you remember anything? <laughs> I remember the Alamo. Yeehaw! Such a great movie. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> Such a great movie. <laughs> There's the perfect movie. That's the best movie of all time. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is an underrated movie, if we want to talk about oh, underrated that films. I that watched is that an one. excellent movie. I rewatched that one, I think, this year. It's really good. It still like, looks great. Like, fantastic uh, film. So many, you can tell how good, much like Chrono Trigger, and you're going to love this comparison, much like Chrono Trigger, you can tell how good <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit is by the number of imi- games that have tried to imitate it and failed. <laughs> or should I say movies? Who A lot of movies Roger like Rabbit Space is... Jam and whatnot. <laughs> cool world. That have tried cool world. to do the animation plus people, but yes. aren't willing to do the amount of work that it requires. And Roger, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is just a, it's a masterpiece in, in those terms. It's, it's an absolute animation masterpiece, much like Chrono Trigger is an absolute RPG masterpiece. And meanwhile, you have these games like, uh, <clears throat> what was the Tokyo RPG Factory games? Oh, like <laughs> I Am Setsuna yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. That are like, we're trying to do Chrono Trigger on a budget. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not watching Space Jam movies from an next movie miniseries. I hate Space Jam so much. Space Jam is a failure. It's a bad movie, Abby. It's a bad movie. It's one of those movies where like the millennials, the younger millennials loved it, and like older millennials like myself are like It's because it's memed so much. Look, it's We're in a culture where memes have churned things that are bad into classics because people are like, look at the memes. Star Wars prequels are a perfect example of this. No, the prequels, hold on. No, the prequels are camp. That's different. Like the prequels are goofy. We've turned them into camp classics, but they were always bad. Okay, but there are plenty of examples of movies that became campy. Like of, of you think you think that Tommy Wiseau sat down and made the worst movie of all time on purpose. No. Hi, Mark. Like that like part of it is that someone was trying to make art and then just missed the bullseye and hit the barn behind it and somehow the barn lit on fire. Like that's how you make the cult classic. But I think Space Jam is just everyone watched it when they were kids. They watched it when they were sick. They watched it. It was just a thing that was on. And I think some of that warmth carries forward. But Look, if you I, want I watched- like I watched Space Jam um, when it came out, and I enjoyed it back in 1996 or whatever. Jordan and Bugs Bunny all coming together. Everybody was wearing their Looney Tunes crap. But I'm not going to claim it's a good movie. Okay. Yeah. But seriously. It, it, it's it's fine. It, it it serves a purpose. Actual Looney Tunes, though, still godlike, by the way. Oh, yeah. You want oh, to yeah. watch some Roadrunner and, and Wile E. Coyote cartoons after this. Oh, my God. Not Hollow wants to know. Given Pixel Remasters, Steam Deck, Analog Pocket, etc., any updates to Nadia's original The Best Way to Play Each Final Fantasy article? Um, I, I would say don't play the Pixel Remasters yet. It depends on the game. Um, I didn't have I didn't notice any stuttering when I played them on like iPad or whatever I was playing on. Uh, but maybe the NES version, maybe Final Fantasy one through three. It's the best way. Uh, maybe no, those are the best. Final way? Fantasy no? One is such a is such a buggy mess. I would not play it on the original NES at all, or recommend. No, I'm saying play Pixel Remaster. You should play. Oh, the Pixel, Pixel Remaster. Remaster. Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, one, two. You and shouldn't three. play three because yeah. three is bad. It's a bad game. <laughs> no, I had never liked it, so I can't say one way or the other. But one, two, three, sure. Pixel Remaster four still the best on the PSP. 
with the complete collection. And I'm still mad that the Pixel Remaster takes out all that bonus content that was in the GBA version. Same with six. Yeah, they lose a lot Six? of bonus content, which is a bummer. Six's bonus content wasn't good. It wasn't bad, but it's still disappointing that you lose it. But Six is good. I think it would be great on the Switch because it has the improved script that you get on the, ga- on the Game Boy Advance version, plus you get the restored music. Because the GBA version of the Final Fantasy VI music, they tried, God bless, but it's still kind of a travesty. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weird touches about the six pixel remaster though, like when they're marching across the field and they don't have any credits. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know what happened there. That's kind of odd. I wonder why they cut that out. I think the best version of five might be the GBA version. Yeah, but that's so expensive these days. You're not going to find it for anything less really? than like oh, yeah. It's a it. very 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 any the GBA advanced games are they're they're expensive. I have four, five, and six. No, someone took I have, six from uh, me. I have the SNES ROM, but patched onto it was the GBA script. Oh, that's and cool. Maybe that's maybe that's a cool way to play Final Fantasy V, and it still looks really good on the SNES. Um, in yeah. my humble opinion, so there's uh, there's there's a lot of ways to play. Like the PSP remasters they did back in the day, they're all still pretty good, especially for. Um, switch makes everything so accessible that you and of course the the new games like 10 uh, 10 12 all of that like on the 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 steam versions the switch versions yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to play the games now i would update the list if i had a chance i think seven and eight you should play on switch um yeah for sure they're really well done um for the most part um i'm sure people would disagree and be like no play it on pc so you can get all these mods or mm. something like that. Um, I think nine is best on PC at this point because um, they add so much to it, um, inc- basically turning into kind of a remaster. I think ten's probably best on what PS five or something. Ten, ten I would go PS five <laughs> if you can. I want to say there's something weird with one of the versions that I remember. I played it um, on the Switch and it was fine. So I do think ten on the PC has a speed up option for like right. the battles, which yeah. is nice. They only had that in 10 2, I want to say for some of the animations and stuff. But um, yeah, play 10 and 10 2 on PlayStation or PC. I'd say you'll probably be fine there. I don't know about switch. I haven't really tried the, I played uh, it on the, the switch. switch. It was good. On the, it was fine on the switch. Uh, it was good. We need to do a 10 2 coverage at some point. Oh, we will. We'll, um, I'm sure we'll do a pantheon of it. I I've been trying to keep the, my, powder dry a bit with final fantasy pantheons because they're such an oh, easy yeah. slam yeah. Dunk, yeah but i don't mm-hmm. want to overload mm-hmm. with the content 10 2 would be fun um i think four would be fun i think five oh, would, be four fun. would be great four would be great everyone's time we do four. a four because we put four in the top 25 and i stand yeah. by that opinion yeah yeah um uh, final 12. fantasy 12 uh the 12 remaster ended up being excellent yeah um, yeah a rare example yeah, of great. a great square enix remaster and I, like yeah play it on the best console you can honestly yeah i was playing it on great. steam deck and it runs real good on there um 13 xbox i've heard that the the series x what? the boosts no of that play it on are PC. Real good. 13 yeah well yeah but I'm, I'm saying like if you just want it easily accessible because pc i think you have to do some stuff to it to make you it can just get it okay yeah you can get 10 13 on the uh i think game pass even so I yeah I want to say it was on Game Pass, but I think thirteen the thirteen series has some sort of like Series X boost stuff going on that people have been saying is real real good. Fourteen obviously played on PC. Don't play it on on console. No, do console. 
the devil's no, on your don't. shoulder you, listen you to the devil a, on you your need shoulder. a keyboard you need a keyboard you no, no, don't play final trash. fantasy 15 on anything <laughs> Super Moop uh, mentioned that Final Fantasy 13 would make a, a fun Pantheon episode. That would be an interesting Pantheon. It would I be. I think it would be fun. I, it would be one of those Chrono Cross type ones. Exactly. Where we would bring in somebody who really loved 13, like uh, Jada uh, Jada from um, from IGN, big Final Fantasy 13 stands. So we'd get her on here and just be like, okay, Jada, let's hear it. Let's hear that you have the stage. Yeah. Ken's also a 13 defender. I don't get it. Square just uh, published its, hey, it's the anniversary of the Japanese release of uh, Final Fantasy 13. What's your favorite memory? And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And a lot of the comments were very, uh, very positive. Yeah, of course. Ultimately. Well, I think 13-1 is honestly like, it's got some good stuff. I think the battle system is incredible. I think the music's incredible. I think the style's great. I just don't, I didn't like the story very much. And and I think the hallway simulator stuff is maybe not the actual problem. It's just not a well-paced game. It's not a like designed in an in interesting way game. It wants to just shuffle you between cutscenes, And that becomes very apparent in the way it's structured. But also um, the story is bad. Yeah, the story's and the bad. the world is just a series of copy and paste concept art that they seem to be making when they had nothing else to do. There's a lot of problems with this game. Yeah, but yeah. We should talk about it on the Pantheon episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Criminal Justice wants to know, should video game characters kiss? Thanks, Eric, for throwing that one in. This is about final. Yes, next question. <laughs> yes, absolutely, 100%. Intelligent system certainly thinks so. Harvestell, like I said, I'm surprised how much like options you have for character uh your to choose but a quote-unquote life partner. But they delay it until you beat the game. That's yeah, cruel. That is cruel. That is mean. <laughs> Zubat man wants to know, what game do you wish you had gotten to in 2022 if you had more time? Oh, there's a yeah, huge list. A big list. Yeah. Um, Citizen Sleepers on there. Yeah, me too. I that's the big um, one I regret. Given that like everybody, the way everybody's talked about it. Yeah. I'm going to play Immortality over the holidays. Yeah. Mm, I need to play mm-hmm. uh, Pentiment is one I'm sorry Pentiment's I missed. Pentiment's a big one. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'd like to finish Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, yeah, do it, man. I, do it, do it, do I it. kind of stalled out on Chapter 4, but it's not because I don't like the game. Like, I just... Um, felt like a commitment to keep playing 
because uh, that's the kind of game that needs all of my attention. And if it, if a game needs all of my attention, then I need to like block out some time to like sit down in front of my TV for like an hour and like actually play as opposed to multitasking. So like other things keep getting in the way. But yeah, I would love to finish Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Eric, you play literally everything, but is there any game that you miss? <laughs> Uh, Kirby is a big one. Yeah, uh, I really want to well, go play Kirby. Kirby is so good. Yeah. Kirby. And yeah. it's so one short. Of my, it's so short. Like, I, it's one of my weekend. favorites. So I think it's one of my favorite Switch games. It might be my favorite Switch game of 20. It's one of my favorites for 2022 for sure. Um, oh, it's and, so and wonderful. Oh, it's so wonderful. There's some little stuff I want to hit. I've talked in the, the Discord before about I'd like to go and catch up on certain series so like atelier is one that i feel yeah, like i don't I know anything about and i'd like to learn a little bit more about uh ease is on that list too of games i would like to to finally play an entry of just so weird got blind it. spots it's so funny when you're like no yeah. i've never actually played this and you're like what you played everything else jeez yeah no I, well i play a lot of things but he likes the my- weird indie games most yeah, I go like I, I have like interest holes. All right. And I go f- deep down the hole because is my hole. It was made for me. But uh, my my problem is like I kind of get blind spots to some of the wider stuff. And this year I was better about it, although like I didn't finish God of War Ragnarok and I'm probably not going to finish God of War Ragnarok because I don't think God of War Ragnarok's very good. Um, This is my hot take for the year. <laughs> that's not that much of a hot take no i what, just you didn't I, like the yak section oh, God, is that the whole game I, <laughs> no it's just every i as i was playing it i just kept getting tired of like oh okay it's, here's the part where we gotta hit the switch with the leviathan axe and then tug the thing with this and oh we introduced this thing it's glyphs you hit the glyphs and they carry the element over except they give you the worst possible way of using that in the environment where it's just like you're guessing the whole time and it's not very functional I, there's there's a lot of problems i have with that game that i think people go like "Ooh, good story and just look over but um it's and, and I, even then, I think it takes too long to get to the story i, think it's I just really want more well, richard schiff it's just really well made yeah thing. it's just yeah. really well it's it's every, every time you like start to drag party. you're yeah. like well this boss battle's lit and he knows how to get good review scores because the opening and the closing are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This I is just the middle section. And then you forget about the middle section, which is kind of boring. the middle section is so long. It's a th- we don't need to talk a long time about God of War. I just that's an example of like, I would rather spend my time on like chained echoes and midnight suns right now, because those are the two games that are kind of like worrying. Warhammer in my 40k brain right now. chaos thingy demon, demon Hunter. hunters. Yeah, yeah, I need to I need to get around to that, too. Um, so yeah, when I look at this year, that's mostly the stuff that passed me by. And I think Kirby is probably top of list for me to get around to because it seems like a lot of people were really happy with that one. Holidays. Yeah. I wanted to play more tunic. That game rules. Actually. I love this. The art. I was really enjoying what I was playing of it, but, um, as usual, I kind of like got distracted by other things like, yeah, same with me. Mm -hmm. And it's on my, it's on my Xbox, which makes it that much harder for me to get to. It feels like mm, yeah. if it's not on Switch or Steam Deck, it's way too easy for a game to fall between the cracks for me. It is on Switch, but I don't know how it runs on Switch. It doesn't run that great. Probably That's why not. I kind of avoided it. You, I think it's a game you want to play in 60 FPS. Mm, but sure. Wall wants to know, I want to know, what is your adequate of the Blood God pick? Or A-G-T-O-Y. As in, pick a solid 6.5 out of 7.5 game. That is your adequate game of the year. Flawed the game that you still think about uh, valkyrie elysium dio field 
Valkyrie yeah. Elysium was such a okay game. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't good. It's just kind of there. But I think about it because it's the Valkyrie profile thing I've been wanting for years. Then I got it. I was like, yep, yeah, this, this is certainly a, a thing in the series that I love. So. I uh, for me, it's it's Harvest Stella, which I've talked about at mm-hmm. length already. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah, that is such a that is the meh of the year. In <laughs> it's not even meh though. That's the thing. It's a, <laughs> it's an interesting meh. Didn't we talk about this last week? Talking about interesting seven point fives versus dull seven point fives. Definitely an interesting one. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. RPGs. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is a six point five slash seven point five. Oh, game. it's it's like a six for me. I mean, I gave it a six, but it's yeah. It's there for sure. Stranger um, Paradise is just chaos. You can't call that strange. Okay, Stranger in Paradise is another one I want to go back to eventually. Like, yeah, that game had ideas. It had thoughts. I just like Jack. Like, there's Kraken's like, oh, I'm Kraken, blah, blah, blah. And, and he just tells him to F off and tries to punch him. And he fails. And Kraken's just not missing meat. Blah, I'm still the Kraken of the sea. It was uh, it's so weird. I love it. Stranger of Paradise had the same problem that I have with God of War Ragnarok, which is why did you put all these RPG systems in this game? It did not need them. You don't. It. it I think maybe. I, I like that games do the optimize button these days, but I think. Yeah, maybe some more people need to look at that and say, like, if we're putting a button in here to make it easy to just wipe away and, and be like, give me the good things then maybe the RPG system is not interesting enough on its own merit. And, and you need to consider whether that's something it, it, but it, it, it gives the veneer of like, Oh, there's, there's a lot going on here. There's systems that you can play with and, and, and things like that. But I, I found, especially in stranger paradise and in God of war Ragnarok, I was just like, whatever, like it isn't making a big difference for me. Just give me the best numbers and let's move on with our lives. So I can get back to the good combat. Like, mm, yeah. A, a game can have ideas, but if it doesn't execute upon those ideas, it's kind of whatever. Yeah. Uh, execution. It's what matters. It's what turns good ideas or it turns interesting ideas into something that actually makes the game good. Um, VV complex wants to know, has playing D and D changed how you think about RPGs? Yeah. Yes. Actually, it certainly changed the way that I viewed, and this is not an RPG, but certainly changed the way I viewed Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I, I think that to understand RPGs, you have to understand D&D. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because so much of the early part of the RPG canon sprang directly out of D&D, and then subsequently JRPGs copied that, and it just kept spreading out, right? Even down to the fact that like freaking colored loot is in every single game ever now. That is such a D&D thing. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 There. <clears throat> so, yeah, absolutely. It has like influenced the way that I think about um, role playing games. Uh, did we ever do an episode about like D&D and its impact on RPGs? I feel like I think you did a long time ago. Are, I think we are planning to do one next year. One might say that would line up very well with Baldur's Gate 3 and <laughs> it being launched. So uh, that's true. for me, it be um, good. that would be a good game developer quest. Who's to yeah. say? Who's? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know this year, like starting with Sizz and Sleeper and then going into our D&D special, I ended up thinking a lot about how tabletop systems operate. And this was even coming off of Disco Elysium, which was a game that also kind of got me thinking about how 
uh, we take tabletop role playing and bring it into the virtual realm and vice versa. I think a lot of RPGs have been finding success in taking tabletop concepts like Disco Elysium's very tabletop. When you think about it, it's very communicative and about the dialogues back and forth and then a quick die roll. Um, Citizen Sleeper is basically based off of Blades in the Dark. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 shows you die rolls and, and stuff. And it's it's made me think a lot about the systems that we use to create role playing, because even if you are playing <clears throat> cat got me now, um, even if you are playing a single player RPG, you're still essentially playing an RPG like D and D and the DM is just the computer. And so yeah. what is the conversation that you're having back and forth to create those situations? And I've spent this whole year, like just kind of, looking at that with every RPG I've played and it has just fundamentally like given me a greater appreciation for when a system is good and gives you good dialogue back and forth. What I hope, and somebody asked uh, in another question, we don't have it on this mailbag. They said, what is the future of RPGs? And mm -hmm. to me, maybe the future of RPG is having a, an AI that is effectively serving as the DM and is a procedural kind of AI that is able mm. to basically keep spinning the game in different directions and creating new assets basically on the fly uh, to accommodate whatever decisions that you're making. It would be pretty, that would be a really phenomenal and fascinating way to go about games. I don't think we'll see that in like for another 10 years or so, but uh, what we've seen from uh, machine learning and whatnot in recent years yeah. has been yeah. really fascinating. Actually, we've we've had things like radiant quests from from Skyrim and all that, and like the idea of oh, they're so simple generated though. tasks. But yeah, I, I I I pull up on the stick a little bit there because I'm like that starts to veer into the era of of like you know things that we've been talking about very recently in in current trends and all that of. AI created art and things like that. And I don't necessarily want RPGs to go that way. I do like the human touch but in all of it. AI, AI created art can work if you have it learning from all of the art that the humans have created in the game and use that as a baseline to create new assets and whatnot. Yeah, I just I then get worried that someone at the top is going to go like, well, why do we have artists in the first place? We can just yeah. get rid of this automation, well, baby. Let's learn. go. It has to learn from something. It, it can uh, learn from, from deviant art stuff. as we, yeah, then, we can learn get into from a theft. <laughs> but then it becomes a trademark issue. Exactly. Because, right. Or yeah. stealing from creators I, because I it making, has to be based on something. I am making a slippery slope argument. I, I acknowledge that, but like, uh, it is, that is the reason why, like, I, I do think that alongside all the potential for proc gen, I think that's why the tabletop stuff has captured me so much is because they, they do like, they have that touch to them. They've been made by a creator. They have been made by a person. It feels very personal. I think I remember talking to the developer of Sizz and Sleeper and they were very emphatic that like they wanted it to not just be, uh, you get dialogue, but it feels like there is a dialogue between you and the creator. Even if the creator is not present and DMing for you in that moment, they are giving you something that feels tailored to what you are doing and kind of like a back and forth. And I don't want to lose that element. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question from Matt danger. 87 2023 is shaping up to be one of the bigger years in recent memory. What are your most looking forward to in the coming year? both in the realm of RPGs and in the industry as a whole. 
I can name two things. One is Starfield, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. the the cat game. And I'm just going to disappear. There are a number of games that I'm really excited about for next year. Um, I'm really excited about Hades 2. I'm really excited yeah, about Jedi Survivor. Really excited about Final Fantasy 16, actually. Um, there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out. And every I, I feel like the PS5 and the Xbox are really hitting our stride. The yeah, other thing finally. I'm really excited about is the first round of Unreal Engine 5 games. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. Time to come out. Because to me, that's when the new generation is truly going to get started. Yeah. Yeah, I've been Let saying about Fortnite. I've been saying <laughs> no. for a hot second that <laughs> the pandemic screwed things up more than anybody like realizes. And mm-hmm. we are just now, I think, coming out of it. And that's why so many games have felt half baked. Look at Pokemon. I'm convinced that game is such a such a victim of the pandemic. I think in you're terms right. of like they wanted to do a lot of stuff and the pandemic just screwed everything up. And because it was being developed right in the teeth of the pandemic, yeah. ultimately. But we are maybe now finally starting to come out of it a little bit. That's why we're seeing so many games coming out in 2023. And with Unreal Engine 5, we're finally going to get away from that. Well, it, it looks like a last-gen game, but it's running really well, yeah. as it were. <laughs> uh, ray tracing will become much more of a thing. Um, you're just going to see games that just look phenomenally better than uh, they have in the past. And also we're going to finally start getting away from uh, blockbuster games that are being developed for the PS4 in tandem with the PS5. And that will make a big difference as well. So <clears throat> those are two things that I'm really looking forward to in the new year. I am looking forward to Zelda hmm. and looking forward to Zelda. Zelda. Oh my God, Zelda. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's going to be a year. Hades 2. I'm looking forward to uh, whatever the next expansion is for FF14 will be coming. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, FF16, of course, I'm looking forward to. Oh, gosh, it just goes on and on. Like, there's a huge... I'm sure when I get off here, I'll like be like, oh, and, and this and this and this. Like, there's just... We're all dead. Like, you understand we are going to have a problem. Especially oh. you guys. I don't have to review any of this stuff. Yeah. I don't review games anymore. <laughs> I don't blame no, you. That's, that's just me. I'm I'm the sicko. R.I.P. Um, F and Baldur's Gate 3 Aiden is Aiden Chronicles like, coming out next Aiden year. Chronicles. Yeah. Aiden Chronicles is big. Baldur's Gate 3... We'll finally have big. the romance scenes. No more judgmental mind flayer. Suikoden remasters. Uh, yeah. Sea of Stars. Jesus uh, Christ. Sea of Stars sea is of a big stars one. Sea of Stars is going to be big. This is all stepping on the actual like 2023 preview episode. But yeah. suffice it to say, um, it's going to be a big year for sure. I, for something that's not part of like the RPG look ahead, I'm excited for the return of E3. I don't know how we Me feel too. about that here. Me too. But like... I, I want to see what it is. It's left a big hole. Yeah. The lack of E3 has left a big hole. And everybody, you can see the excitement. Like everybody is gearing up. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that to me, like when we hit E3, that to me is going to be like, we're back, baby. It's been like three years, but we're fully back and we're ready to go. And it's going to be, please God, IGN is poisoning my brain. It's going to be freaking hype. It's going to be absolutely lit. Oh, going to have to take it behind the barn and put it's a bullet in your brain there, cat. Blaze it. It's cracked. It's cracked. Oh, gracious um, me. The Xbox is finally going to have stuff to go along with its, like, excellent sales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just, like, you know, part of me is very selfish that, like, I just want to see people that I haven't seen in, like, three years at this point. Um, it's been yeah. a long time. Uh, it's weird that the last E3 I went to was with a US gamer <laughs> and, so... and I'll, uh, I'll potentially be going with another site. Um, and 
but also I, I don't know there's something i think the game awards always reminds me of it that there's just this goofiness to the things that happen but like ridiculous stage shows that emphasize this like connectedness of the industry and like are we connected because we're all dunking on the same thing at the same time yeah but that's all e3 is and it's a good time every year we're all just laughing at like oh here comes ubisoft with another just dance segment and yeah here's keanu reeves stepping out on stage do you remember the reveal for death Death stranding what the hell was that nobody knew what was going on it was just (laughs) yeah and like i and we I did it again with Death Stranding too. We sure did. Yeah. I would love to do a Blood God talk over of a an E3 segment at some point if we could ever, ever I find would love a time to where that works well. out. Yeah, yeah same. My my life it belongs to IGN during yeah. the actual the entire the actuality of E3. I think yeah, was, we're basically be all there. When yeah, it's all, happening, all hands so. on deck for sure. All hands on deck. So, but yeah, no, twenty twenty three. I'm really looking uh, forward to it. I, I feel like we will finally be all the way back next year. It's going to be and, great. And then some other virus comes from outer mm-hmm. space. And Genova's here. Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a meteor? <laughs> all right. Nadia, take us home. Uh, so it's Christmas, if you hadn't noticed, and I'm going to talk about the crunkest Christmas party I ever went to, where uh, I almost got alcohol poisoning, and this was a, a, a company thing. Um, this was when I was a, a janitor, and I worked with a lot of really old Italian guys, and they were took a lot of pride in how they cooked and everything, because of course they didn't, their food was freaking amazing. So we didn't really have a, uh, a fancy Christmas party, we just had a... Um, you know, the, the Italian guys would bring in their food and we'd eat the food and, you know, just kind of goof around. Now, one year, it was actually probably the first year I, I worked there, they brought their wine. And here's the thing. I am pretty good at holding my liquor. Like, if I'm careful, if I, like, you know, just pay attention to what I'm doing. But nobody told me that homemade wine is really, <laughs> really, really potent. So uh, this was before my shift. During the Christmas rush, uh, I drank two cups of wine because the guys were all like, hey, Nadia, try my wine. Hey, Nadia, try my wine. And I got so messed up. I've never been this messed up in my life. And everyone was messed up because everyone drank the wine. And we all went down on our ships, drunk as hell. And when I say drunk, I mean drunk. Like someone, some customer dropped a, a bottle of apple juice or whatever. You're supposed to kind of get on that, clean it up because there's glass and juice everywhere. So I would just remember standing and staring at this mess. And then some other guy who I work with who's also drunk came by and he's standing and staring at this glittering mess of apple juice and, and glass as well. And we're just like, what are we supposed to do? I don't remember. Where am I? Like, what is going on? And um, at the end of the day, the, the, the clerk who ran the pretzel booth came out with like leftover pretzels and said, hey, uh, you want these, these pretzels? And I thought she was threatening me. Like I was just gone. So, so gone. And that was the last, (laughs) that was the last Christmas party where they let us bring wine. We had no alcohol from then on. (laughs) Just the schnitzel, not schnitzel, (laughs) veal. Just the veal that the Italian guys brought. But yeah, uh, so when you are encountered with homemade wine, please be careful. Uh, 
as Cal L says in the chat, don't drink the toilet wine. I don't think it was toilet wine, but it was uh, it was deadly nonetheless. Like, let us add, let us add toilet wine to the pantheon of pits. It wasn't toilet wine. It was just made in a bucket. It wasn't I think. toilet wine. It was just made in a bucket. <laughs> it was good. It just, dear God, potency, potency. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as we already said, we've got a lot more where that came from over the next week uh, for our Stars of Destiny, where we will be recording all of our end of the year content, whereupon it will be released uh, in the coming weeks as we head into 2023. It's the end of another great year here on Acts of the Blood God and in the world of RPGs. <laughs> in general i've been your host cat bailey you can follow me on twitter at the underscore catbot nadia is at nadia oxford and eric is at cmosi s-e-a-m-o-o-s-i we're also on patreon patreon.com slash pod where you can find us with lots of bonus content including our autumn of the avatar wrap-ups charlie and dropouts the pantheon episodes there's so much out there we'll be back next week as always to talk about the genre that we love but until then for nadia eric and myself thanks for listening happy adventuring